everybody. Welcome back to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. I am your host, Kadra, and I'm so excited you guys are tuning in today. I have a really fun story for you guys. We are going to be talking all about Route 66 and its creepy past. Uh, lots to tell, from murders to mysterious disappearances to the paranormal, cryptids. So I've got all of that coming for you guys. Uh, before we get into that though, as we are at the top of the show, a couple of quick reminders. Remember, please, if you have not done so yet and you've been enjoying the podcast, please leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I know I say it over and over again like a broken record, but it really is so helpful to the show and the number one easiest and best way to support me. Also, if you're watching on YouTube and you've been enjoying my videos, remember you can always hit the thumbs up button, like the videos, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, that is so appreciated. And if you have topic requests or you wanna share a crazy story of your own with me that I would love to read on the podcast, you can always email me at perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram at perplexitymysterypodcast. For all of the other ways to keep in touch with me and to support the show, be sure to check out the links in the episode description. You can also check out the show notes in the episode to know what my sources were for today. Trigger warning for today's episode, I will be discussing some disturbing content, including murder and violence and other topics that just may be considered disturbing to some listeners. So sensitive listening is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13. So Route 66, for those of you who may not know, was one of the OG highways for the United States. And it was officially established in November, November 11th to be exact, in the year 1926. In 1927, actual road signs were put up and the highway became really famous. It originally ran all the way from Chicago, Illinois, through Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, like in the Panhandle area, New Mexico, and Arizona before ending up in Santa Monica, California. So obviously it was a very long highway. It covered nearly 2,500 miles or 3,000 kilometers. A portion of Route 66 in Missouri overlaps the northern route of the Trail of Tears followed by the Cherokee Indians during their forced 1838 relocation from their homelands. During this traveling along the Trail of Tears, as we know, many Native Americans died, and this was estimated to be between three and 4,000 people that died. And by 1928, this road was actually used in a big race. Runners ran from coast to coast in a 3,400 mile marathon from Los Angeles to New York. This race was nicknamed the Bunyan Derby, which I think is pretty funny because if you're running that far, I bet you had some serious bunions afterwards. <laughs> so stupid. 
There were 199 men that began the 84-day race and 55 finished it. I would be out after a few hours. <laughs> and there was a winner declared, which was a 20-year-old man named Andy Payne, and he took home a $25,000 cash prize. During the segregation era, African-Americans were banned from many motels, restaurants, and other businesses, as we know, but also along Route 66, this was happening. And a number of sundown towns were also found along Route 66. These sundown towns bordered the highway, and in 1936, Victor H. Green, a black postal worker from New York City, actually started publishing a book. He called it the Negro Motorist Green Book. And a travel guide featured places to stay, eat, and shop that were friendly to African Americans. So he started publishing these books to help keep black people more safe along this area. And this series continued through 1966. The road has also been featured in society and culture, including the 1946 hit song by Nat King Cole, Get Your Kicks on Route 66. A TV series that aired in the 60s on CBS was also called Route 66. And this was about two young guys wandering America in a Corvette. And this was shot along Route 66. The Disney and Pixar film Cars and the infamous novel The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck also have strong themes about Route 66. And The Grapes of Wrath is where Route 66 got one of its most popular nicknames, The Mother Road. So during the 1930s, because this road covered so much ground, it was the main route for people who wanted to migrate west. And in the 1930s in the US, we also had the Dust Bowl going on, which was basically when there was a ton of really severe dust storms. And they were so severe that they were damaging the lands, the crops in America and Canada. And on top of that, there were really bad droughts. The Dust Bowl was also a strong part of the plot in the Grapes of Wrath novel. So basically, Route 66 was important during this time though because it helped the economies in these severe stages uh, This because this road ran through the US and made things and people more accessible. But this all began to change in 1956 when President Eisenhower signed the Federal Aid Highway Act establishing America's 47,800-mile interstate highway system. So by 1985, Route 66 was removed and entirely replaced by the interstate highway systems. Primarily, it was replaced by Interstate 40. Portions of the road are still designated and known as Historic Route 66. So there are a lot of parts of it still that you can go and visit or drive on thanks to nonprofit groups that were formed to help preserve the highway. But technically you can't do the original route as it was built. If you were to drive Route 66 today, you would wanna plan for about two full weeks or about eight to 10 days being spent on Route 66 
with other days being to rest and explore the area. There are a lot of great museums, diners, and attractions along Route 66, but navigating this route can be challenging. Picking up a copy of Route 66 EZ66 Guide for Travelers would be helpful because Google Maps is not very reliable if you are driving this route. There's also an app called Route 66 Navigation, and this will give you more precise directions as you're driving. It's also recommended that if you do travel Route 66, you do it in the late spring or early fall so that you're avoiding any severe weather conditions because you definitely don't wanna break down while you're doing this drive. So obviously you also want a reliable car. The 2006 film Cars helped make Route 66 more popular again. So because of this, when the movie came out, tourism on Route 66 actually exploded. And as you drive this route, you can even see some Cars-inspired installations. Ramon's House of Body Art is based on the U Drop Inn in Shamrock, Texas. The hills behind Radiator Springs are fashioned like the Cadillac Ranch Art in Amarillo, Texas, which I've been to, it's pretty neat. Flo and her V8 Cafe are based on the Midpoint Cafe in Adrian, Texas. Sally's Cozy Cone Motel is based around the Wigwam Motels found in Holbrook, Arizona and Fontana, California. The Hackberry General Store in Arizona inspired Lizzie's Radiator Springs, Curios, and much, much more. Now, with a new highway and with driving in the U.S. in general, there's going to be a history of car accidents. And for decades, Route 66 was actually known as Bloody 66 because there were so many bad car crashes. The highway was known to be very busy and the roads were also very narrow and twisty, curvy, and it was considered to be ill-engineered in its early days. There was also a book by Barry Duncan called Route 66, A Trail of Tears, and this included a lot of photographs of serious car crashes that occurred along this route. The accidents were especially prominent for some reason in Missouri. A Joplin Globe story about the book recalled in one bloody nine month period in 1941, the area around Fort Leonard Wood in central Missouri saw 454 accidents on the highway. 54 people died, including 19 U.S. soldiers between January and September of that year. In one month in 1959, there were also 11 people that died on Route 66 near Peach Springs, Arizona, and a 1953 article in the Gallup Independent newspaper in New Mexico called Route 66 traditionally the state's most dangerous highway. So it didn't develop the best reputation when it came to safety. Near Lincoln, Illinois, some locals even claimed that there were car crashes every few hours on Route 66. There were also areas known as Dead Man's Curve, Dead Man's Alley, Accidents, unfortunately, do continue to this day along this route. Just to give one example, in late July of 2019, a 28-year-old woman died in a two-vehicle accident 
at the intersection of State Route 66 and Route 366. She attempted to make a left turn and was T-boned by an SUV. She was not wearing a seatbelt and was pronounced dead at the scene. Because Route 66 was eventually nixed from the American highway system, it would make sense that this would have also resulted in many abandoned or ghost towns. There are many abandoned towns along this route, especially in Texas and Oklahoma. Driving through them and especially standing in them can be quite eerie due to the insanely heavy silence. You could hear a pin drop. Some ghost towns have also been reported by visitors to give a feeling of uneasiness or even have a couple of old townsfolk dwelling around in their unearthly form, if you catch my drift. In addition to this route being dangerous, though it has improved, it's also known to have quite a bit of paranormal activity. On legendsofamerica.com, you can find dozens and dozens of stories and they have a lot about Route 66. There's stories from Illinois, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, and a lot of them happened in their surrounding museums, restaurants, hotels, bridges, that kind of thing. So I just picked a couple that I found interesting, but there's way more on this website, so it was kind of hard to narrow down. <laughs> At 1800 South Harlem Avenue in North Riverside, Illinois, a ghost that is described as a young woman dressed as a flapper is often sighted. In this area, there is now the Jewish Waldheim Cemetery. According to Troy Taylor, author of Haunted Illinois, Ghosts and Strange Phenomena of the Prairie State, this ghost has been known to hitch rides on De Plains Avenue and most often has been seen near the cemetery gates. In the years before World War II, she was often reported to be at the Melody Mill Ballroom. She would dance with the young men there and often ask for a ride home. After they drove her to the cemetery, the girl would explain she lived in the caretaker's house there. Then she would get out of the car and mysteriously disappear. Often with her admirers in pursuit, she would run into the cemetery and was known to vanish among the tombstones. So they seem to have a hitchhiking flapper ghost on their hands. This sighting also closely mirrors the urban legend of the vanishing hitchhiker. And as usual, there are some theories as to who this ghost could be. On one hand, you could see her as more of an archetypal picture of the Roaring Twenties, or she could have been a woman who suddenly died in the Melody Mill Ballroom in her flapper dress. Experts theorize this ghost was most active during the Century of Progress exhibition in 1933, in the years leading up to World War II, and again in 1973. She was probably a regular at the Melody Mill, and some people think she died of peritonitis, which is the result of a burst appendix. And legend has it, there was a regular at the Melody Mill who died in this way and was buried at the Jewish Waldheim Cemetery, which is where this ghost always wants to be driven back to. So after this unnamed woman died, 
the legend goes that staff members at Melody Mill saw her apparition in the ballroom. There was even one man who had become so infatuated with this apparition, not knowing that she was a ghost. He danced with her all night at the Melody Mill and had even gone home with her at the caretaker's house. Bow chicka wow wow. He hoped to take her dancing again the next evening, but would later discover the caretaker's home was abandoned, that no such girl lived or had ever lived at that house. Based on this timeline, we could assume this was before the caretaker's house was demolished. There were also sightings from families in the 1970s in this area when they would be visiting the cemetery. They would claim to see a woman dressed like a flapper disappearing as she walked towards a crypt. Unfortunately, you can't go into the Melody Mill anymore. It was destroyed in 1985. And after this, accounts of this mysterious flapper ghost seemed to have stopped. During the American Civil War, there was a very bloody battle in Missouri that became known as the Battle of Wilson's Creek. This was on August 10th, 1861. The Wilson's Creek battlefield, just off Route 66, became the death place of 1,317 Union soldiers and 1,222 Confederate soldiers. Today, the restless spirits of this area are known to still haunt Wilson's Creek, which has become known as Bloody Hill. While visiting the site of this old battleground, many people report seeing the ghostly apparitions of these soldiers. Other people claim to hear gunfire, cannons. They also claim to feel sudden cold spots. And at night, some people even hear the sounds of soldiers walking and having nearby conversations in the wooded areas. If you're traveling Route 66 in El Reno, Oklahoma, keep your eyes open because legend has it that an elderly humped back man haunts this area. He will appear in a brown trench coat wearing a bogey style hat pulled down over his eyes. He's often seen walking along the old highway, especially when it's foggy or rainy. One person even reported to have picked him up as a hitchhiker while it was raining. The man entered the car, but did not speak. Later, he allegedly tried to jump out of the car while it was moving, so the driver pulled over suddenly. But as soon as the driver pulled over, he spotted the man outside walking again, several miles ahead of where the driver had stopped. Another person claimed they thought they hit the man once with their vehicle, but after stopping to check on him, they discovered no one was there. The infamous La Llorona or Weeping Woman, which I covered in episode five, is also known to be seen in various areas right along Route 66. Her deafening cries are often heard at night and she's often spotted as the woman in white near the water. During the 1920s and the historic town of Oatman, Arizona, the Oatman Hotel became a place of rest and solitude for many travelers along Route 66. Oatman was also a big mining town and the hotel was known to be quite haunted. 
People have seen the ghosts of Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, a married couple. In the 1940s, Clark and Carol spent their wedding night at the hotel. Clark would often spend his nights at the hotel playing poker. Carol Lombard was later killed in a plane crash in 1942. And over the years, guests have reported seeing both Clark and Carol's apparitions. Carol and Clark's ghosts have also been heard whispering to each other and laughing in their old alleged hotel room, even though it is completely empty upon inspection. When a professional photographer took a picture of the empty room, the ghostly figure of a man appeared on the developed print. Other spirits have also reportedly haunted this old hotel. On the second floor, there's an old theater room museum and distinct outlines of sleeping bodies have been found in the dust on the beds. Hotel staff think this might be the sleeping spirit of a former chambermaid who was often spotted in this room. Another guest room is haunted by an Irish miner that once lived in the hotel. He allegedly died in the hotel after he consumed too much alcohol. Staff call his spirit Odie, and Odie's often heard playing his bagpipes. He is also quite the prankster. He likes to open windows in his former room, and he's known to pull the covers off of the bed. There have also been reports of his old room being incredibly cold, even though it's a hot desert day. Downstairs in this same hotel is a saloon area, and other guests and staff have claimed money has been lifted off the bar, and some have even seen glasses suddenly levitate in the air. Lights are also known to suddenly turn on and off. Toilets will flush in empty bathrooms. Eerie voices are heard, and sometimes even footprints appear from nowhere on recently cleaned floors. But all of the ghosts here seem to be pretty chill and friendly, so that's good. I could get down with some friendly ghosts. Another thing that I found during my research that I thought to be really interesting was the Suicide Bridge in Pasadena, California. This bridge is more formally known as the Colorado Street Bridge and was part of Route 66 until 1940. This bridge also hit the news in October 2015 when a noted actor, model, and musician, Sam Sarpong, took his life by jumping off the bridge. This bridge seems to attract death for some reason. Within just a decade of it being constructed, it became known as Suicide Bridge. Even before the construction of the bridge was complete, there was tragedy here. Allegedly, when one of the bridge workers toppled over the side and plunged headfirst into a vat of wet concrete, his co-workers assumed he couldn't be saved in time, and they just left him there. Is that not horrifying? He also is said to haunt the area. The first suicide occurred on November 16, 1919, followed by several others during the Great Depression. It's also estimated that more than 100 people have taken their lives here 
leaping off the 150 foot bridge into the arroyo below. On May 1st, 1937, it is believed that a despondent mother threw her baby girl off the railing of the bridge. She then followed her and jumped off the bridge. Though the mother died, the child miraculously survived because the mother tossed the baby into a nearby tree and the baby girl was later recovered from the thick branches. In the arroyo below, people have also seen figures walking along the riverbed, heard unexplained sounds, and felt a thick atmosphere. As far as disappearances and murders go, I did find several stories, but a couple of just quick ones that I'll reference. William Bonin, also known as the Freeway Killer, was a serial killer who operated in Southern California, very close to this area. He raped, tortured, and murdered at least 21 young men from May 1979 to June of 1980. And if you guys listened to my episode or the three-part series that I did about I-45 in Texas, a lot of these murders, you know, were during like the same time period. And that was the thing is like back then there were not cameras or license plate readers along highways. There wasn't a lot of police. So people could do horrific acts like this and then just hop on the highway and go to another state and act like nothing ever happened. In Hannibal, Missouri, you can also visit the Merrimack Caverns off Route 66. But be careful as there have been several mysterious disappearances, as well as drownings and quite a few reports of paranormal activity. One of the most famous disappearances from the Merrimack Caverns was of four boys in May of 1967. Brothers Billy and Joey Hoeg, ages 11 and 13, along with their friend Craig Dowell, age 14, were last observed carrying shovels and flashlights around 5 p.m. May 10, 1967. They said they were going to explore Murphy's Cave in this area, and this was a local spot near a construction site. The Hoag boys had been punished for exploring it the day prior, and their parents told them to stay in the yard for the afternoon, but they're kids, so you know they went out and explored anyway, and unfortunately, they disappeared. In the days that followed, cavers near and far joined a very wide search, and they were hoping it would be a search and rescue mission. Because the road construction work going on at the time had resulted in a cave-in at Murphy's Cave, on the day the three boys went missing, the most prominent theory is that they became stuck in the cave after some kind of blasting occurred. And this could also explain why the Dowels and Hoeg's bodies have never been found. And the cold case, situated as it is in the boyhood home of Mark Twain and his cave-loving characters like Tom Sawyer and Becky Thatcher, has been the subject of attention and speculation in the decades since. Since Route 66 runs through New Mexico, I also started wondering if Route 66 was particularly close to Roswell, and it turns out it is. 
So you can absolutely take a Route 66 road trip and end up in Roswell. And for those of you who don't know, Roswell and like New Mexico in general is a very popular area for UFO activity. So in Roswell, you can hit up the UFO Museum. And Roswell in general is just UFO central. Basically, for those of you who don't know, in 1947, during the Cold War hysteria, this all begins. So this is about 20 years after the construction of Route 66. Something strange and metallic crashed into a field outside of the town and the army came and recovered it. Reports appeared in the local paper that a flying saucer had crashed there. This quickly spread around the globe and the government quickly began to deny this, claiming the flying saucer was nothing other than a weather balloon. 33 years later, a retired military intelligence officer from the Roswell base sold a story to the National Enquirer repeating details of this same crash in 1947, but he also told of his subsequent capture of extraterrestrial beings. So because of all this, Roswell has become a tourist hotspot to visit the International UFO Museum and Research Center. And there are also several blocks in Roswell that are UFO themed. So you can go to the UFO themed McDonald's. There's also like a Dunkin' Donuts where there's a big alien holding up the sign. So it's pretty cool. In Northern New Mexico, not far from Route 66, a strange alien looking creature was allegedly seen prowling around and this was caught on camera. A Facebook picture circulated and it's pretty creepy. I will put it in the video here. Right? Really weird. It like looks, it's giving, ooh, bumping the table. It's giving creepy grasshopper. <laughs> the person who posted it claimed it was taken near Lybrook and Counselor near the Jacarilla. Oh gosh, I'm gonna say that wrong. Apologies for my ignorance. It's either Jacarilla or Hickarilla, I think. But this is a reservation, so apologies for probably saying that very wrong. The story claims that a geologist was working in an oil field in this area and saw something strange and took a heat signature of it. Then the next day, the geologist mysteriously quit. Many people after seeing this photo said it could also be a skinwalker, which I was hoping I would get to talk about at some point. Skinwalkers refer to the Native American legend of people with the supernatural ability to turn into any animal and walk on all fours, which I mean, in the picture, that's definitely what's happening or seems to be happening, right, right? However, this story was later debunked. I know, but still, and like I said, I will do an episode about skinwalkers at some point. I know I've been saying that. It'll happen. Apparently this photo comes from a 1980s science fiction movie called Xtro, X-T-R-O. 
where a creepy being is born, then goes on the prowl and is seen by a couple driving along the road. So it's completely made up, man-made. Sorry, guys. But, 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 with that being said, if we go just a little further west to Arizona on Route 66, you'll run into the Navajo Reservation and skinwalkers have been seen here and haven't been able to be explained or debunked. In the 1980s, a family was driving through the reservation when something jumped from the ditch and as they slowed down to make a sharp turn, they saw this creature up and close. It was described as being black, hairy, and wearing a shirt and pants. A few days after this event, the family was awakened to loud drumming and chanting at their home in Flagstaff, Arizona. Outside of their home, there were three dark forms of men outside of their fence, or what seemed to be figures of men. However, these shadowy creatures couldn't climb the fence and soon left. And last, but certainly not least, could Bigfoot have been sighted on Route 66? In 2006, in Funks Grove, Illinois, right around Route 66, a man named Tom Biscardi claimed to have seen not just one Bigfoot, but two. Biscardi, the founder of Searching for Bigfoot Incorporated, which I love. Can we just take a moment? <laughs> So he was with a four-man team of animal trappers, and they traveled there armed with infrared cameras, thermal imagers, motion cameras, and tranquilizer guns, which, guys, leave Bigfoot alone. This is his home. But this team showed up after receiving a phone call from a Bloomington resident named Chris Vielhack who claimed to have seen a large black creature he at first thought was a bear. The creature ran behind his 1990 Mustang as he drove slowly down old Route 66. After he felt a slap to the side of his car, Vielhack said he was startled and sped away, and he later discovered five large claw marks along the trunk. KTVK TV also reported a Phoenix resident who built a cabin near Route 66 in the town of Seligman, Arizona. And this resident claimed to have seen Bigfoot twice a year there. The Chicago Reader also picked up a similar Bigfoot story, claiming they found a father and son who had seen a Sasquatch around Funks Grove, Illinois, the same area where the man had his car slashed. And there were way, way, way many more stories that I found about Route 66. I condensed this a lot. So if the history of Route 66 and its mysterious past perplexes you, check out more stories. I know I did find a book, I think it was called Strange 66, and I haven't read it, but I just came across it during my research, and it talks all about the strange things around Route 66, so that would be a good resource to check out. So that is just some perplexing history about Route 66 or Bloody 66, and I hope you found it interesting and enjoyed it. 
If you did and you've been enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends, tell your family, tell the world, like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on a podcast platform, don't forget to please leave me a five-star review if you have not done so yet. Super simple and the best way to help and support the podcast. If you have any requests for topics or you want to share a crazy story with me, you can email me at perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram, perplexitymysterypodcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. You all are amazing. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.